It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Hi, Dustin Hawkinsmith here from Penn Live with your newsstand edition of the Blue White Breakdown. I've got four storylines to follow along with as we approach Penn State, Michigan on Saturday. Huge game at Beaver Stadium and noon kickoff on ABC. Penn State started the week as a one-point favorite going into it. First thing of note, James Franklin did uh, speak with media again on Wednesday. Uh, Daniel Gallen and I will have a little bit of that on our Friday podcast. And Bob and Dave, uh, Bob Flanders and David Jones broke down what Franklin had to say when he met with the reporters on Tuesday as well on their edition of the Blue White Breakdown. Uh, first thing on my list here is the college football playoff rankings, which came out on Tuesday. Penn State's still not in that top 25 mix, which we'll get to in a second. Number one was Georgia, number two, Alabama, Oregon, and Ohio State round out the current top four in the playoff rankings. Number five, Cincinnati, number six, Michigan, and number seven, Michigan State are the closest on the outside looking in. Uh, First thing of note that came from these rankings, I think there were some mixed messages on what head-to-head matchups actually mean. Oregon is ahead of Ohio State still because of that reason. Oregon beat Ohio State earlier in the year, but a very good case can be made that the Buckeyes are trending up in a much bigger way right now. Uh, In the end, something like that will ultimately get sorted out. Uh, Ohio State will have its opportunities and likely make that jump, but they're currently locked in the college football playoff anyway. The other one that goes along with that is Michigan being ranked ahead of Michigan State, despite a head-to-head result that was in Michigan State's favor just 10 days prior to these rankings. Now, Michigan State came out and lost their first game after that. Michigan beat Indiana. I'm assuming timing of that loss uh, was in Michigan's favor. Maybe the quality of the loss was in Michigan's favor, but it is a stark um, situation when you have one team beat another and then 10 days later, despite having the same record, being ranked lower. Um, a couple other noteworthy things for Penn State fans. Auburn checks in at number 17 and Wisconsin's at number 18. Both of these teams also three lost teams, just like Penn State, but Penn State has beaten both of them this year. Now, the only logical conclusion I think that can be drawn from that fact is that the College Football Playoff Committee, even though they said they took a longer look at Penn State this week than last week, Penn State snapped a three-game losing streak by beating Maryland 31-14 to last Saturday. They did get a little extra consideration, but clearly a loss to Illinois, the nine-overtime ugly loss to Illinois, is working against them, as was a three-game losing streak at a time where Auburn was heating up and it looked like Wisconsin was heating up. Wisconsin, I believe, has five consecutive wins now. 
Um, so that has to play some kind of part in it. But at the same time, if that Illinois loss is working against Penn State, that same team just went and beat Minnesota, another ranked team. They were number 20 in the first college football playoff rankings. All of which is to say that these college football playoff committee rankings released the second version of them is perhaps the least credible set of rankings that this committee has ever put out. And if you think about the years that they've been doing this, the week-to-week nature of these things, the number of opportunities they've had to showcase how mixed their logic can be, let's put it that way, for these to be the least credible is really saying something about the head-scratching nature of some of these decisions that they're making and the fact that they are on a certain position when it comes to this Penn State team and they are not backing off of it until they are absolutely forced. Penn State will get a chance to force that this Saturday against number six Michigan, not number seven Michigan, number six Michigan at home that should start to get some credibility back in the eyes of of the playoff committee, but I don't think they have a lot of uh, uh, credibility either, so we'll see. Second item of note, uh, Malik Mega, a redshirt freshman wide receiver from Canada. James Franklin has called him a home run threat that he seems like is counting on to deliver some of those home runs for the remainder of this season. Three games left in the regular season and then likely one more in a bowl game. He was nursing some injuries in the early part of the year. Uh, now he's healthy, and you saw him pretty early, not in garbage time by any means, not that there was any garbage time against Maryland, but he wasn't a throwaway, let's just get him some experience. He was on the field pretty early in that number 80 jersey of his. He's six foot four and 200 pounds. Uh, Jahan Dotson spoke this week about how unique of an athlete Malik Mega is, and what he's referring to is going back to his high school scouting report coming out of Quebec in the 2020 recruiting class. He was long, fast, raw, and strong. And the raw thing is something that he's continuing to work through. But long, fast, and strong are some really interesting qualities to have as a high school wide receiver. Those showed up in his 40-yard dash time, which was an officially recognized time at a regional event for the opening national um, competition. He ran a 4-4-2 at 6'4 at that. He also had a 35.8-inch vertical jump, among other numbers there. So those two things, you can see the leaping ability, you can see the speed, and James Franklin expects those qualities to make an impact on the football field probably sooner than later. This is the second straight season, I think, that Penn State is looking for number three, four, five type wide receivers. They have... A, a much more well-rounded crew right now with Jahan Dotson obviously leading the way, Parker Washington, and Keandre Lambert-Smith emerging as a pretty consistently good target as well. So they've got their top three. It's just the, that fourth wide receiver and how deep you can go, how many options you have with your formations when you don't have a truly trusted number four option. You've seen probably most often Cam Sullivan-Brown having his number called there. He's been around a while, hasn't established himself as a as a must-target player in this Penn State passing attack. That is something that Malik Mega certainly has the skill set uh, to reach that. And whether he reaches it in the final three games of 2021 or whether this is a springboard into something much bigger in 2022, he is most definitely a player worth watching to see how early he's on the field against Michigan, 
how many snaps he plays, how often he's targeted, and then certainly if he's capable of delivering a big play in a really important game, if you'll be put in that position to do it. The way he was used against Maryland suggests that we probably will see him in a somewhat important role in this Michigan game. Somebody with, without a lot of tape on him can maybe sneak up on this Wolverines team. So if he's trusted to try to go catch a ball deep, it would be interesting to see if Penn State takes that shot this week with his height, size, long striding speed, and that jumping ability. There's a good chance that Malik Mega can make that opportunity pay off if Penn State gives it to him, but certainly one to watch for the future of the program. You assume Jahan Dotson is moving on after 2021. That puts Parker Washington in, into a presumed number one role. Keandre Lambert-Smith has done enough to believe he can be a really quality number two who keeps getting better. But that number three job, look out. I think Malik Mega could be on the inside track to locking that down. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. And speaking of emerging players, another true freshman this time around on the defensive side of the ball has played a bigger and bigger role as we've gotten into the second half of the season. And that's Jalen Reed, true freshman safety from the state of Michigan, who James Franklin said this week, he confirmed it, will not be redshirting as a true freshman. He's already hit the four games played mark. He did that against Maryland. That's the cutoff between whether a player can or cannot preserve his redshirt. A freshman can play up to four games, still redshirt, bankroll a little bit of experience, and uh, and and still be able to have that extra year in his career. That will not be Jalen Reed, as we learned this week. He arrived, and I think it shouldn't come as much of a surprise considering the way that he got to Penn State already built Physically pretty mature. Um, James Franklin and, and the staff have, have been open about the way that some of the other Michigan prospects from the other players, Kalen King and Kobe King, have been so quick to acclimate to the college game because of the high level that they were playing at the, at the high school level. I think Jalen Reed falls into that category. He's six foot even right now, 209 pounds. He's got the size and skill and speed and talent. He clearly has acclimated himself pretty quickly to that safety position and established himself as, you know, maybe the the next in line for one of those spots. We know that Jaquan Brisker will be gone after 2021. He's a fifth year senior, no more eligibility left. Did the team a tremendous solid by coming back for 2021 in the first place when he could have probably pursued the NFL. But now what he's done is he's accomplished his first goal of, of, uh, you know, helping this Penn State team put a really forgettable 2020 behind them. I know they're coming out of a rough patch right now. It doesn't feel like light at the end of any tunnel, but this has been a much better Penn State team in 2021 with a shot, you know, to, to still go nine and three with a couple big wins against Michigan and Michigan State, um, as well as Rutgers on the schedule for the final three weeks. But um, ja- Jaquan Brisker's moving on. Jair Brown has, has emerged as, as kind of a blossoming star. He'll be an interesting decision as a junior. But if we had to guess right now, I would imagine Jair Brown is back. You're looking for a second starting safety. Jalen Reed is now in that conversation. 
He's gotten more opportunities recently because of Jonathan Sutherland and an injury that James Franklin said he's not sure. He's optimistic but isn't sure yet if Sutherland will, will suit up against Michigan. Even if he does, I think we'll still see Jalen Reed in, in some key spots. That's exactly where he was on the field last week against Maryland when the game was on the line. They weren't afraid to put Jalen Reed out there. And uh, from what we could see from, from our viewpoint, he seemed to do a pretty good job, and I think he's earned the coaching staff's trust. Um, Reed, along with um, Keaton Ellis, would be two names to watch, um, especially if, if Sutherland can't play, as picking up some of the slack of that safety position. Um, so, But no no redshirt for him. He'll be a, a starter, I think, much sooner than later in his Penn State career and a real player to watch, just as we mentioned before about Malik Mega. Two young players who are on the upswing late in the 2021 season who could be doing themselves quite a favor when it comes to 2022 and how they can p- position themselves for bigger roles. Uh, story number four that we'll touch on before we wrap up this edition of the Blue White Breakdown Seen a lot of conversation, let's say, about Jim Harbaugh, Michigan's coach, versus James Franklin, Penn State's coach. The merits of one versus the public reputation of the other. Uh, This was started by someone I believe blogs about Michigan football, just putting the side-by-side numbers together and showing that Jim Harbaugh has better-looking numbers than James Franklin does during his time at Penn State. One is Michigan's 57 and 23 in seven seasons under Harbaugh. That's a 71.3% winning percentage under him. Penn State 66 and 31 in James Franklin's eighth season now at Penn State. That's a 68% flat winning percentage. But if you dig a little deeper, you can also kind of look at the last three, four, five years and just how relevant. Both of these programs have been to both the Big Ten title race and the National College Football Playoff. Without a doubt, Penn State has earned much more consideration in both of those, including winning a Big Ten title back in 2016. Also happens to be a year that Michigan plowed through this Penn State team, and that blowout loss was one of the primary reasons that Penn State was not considered more for the college football playoff that year. Jim Harbaugh. 0-4 in his last four bowl games. James Franklin's 2-1 in his last three, both of those being New Year's Six bowl games. So if you find those to be important matchups against top teams from other leagues, James Franklin, his track record, uh, quite a bit better in those games as well. Penn State was also 14-12 in two seasons where NCAA sanctions were very much present and impacted things. Those were 2014 and 2015. And even in 2016, still the, the build continued until they rapidly turned a corner and exploded onto the scene to win that Big Ten title. And they haven't really looked back since. Both of these coaches from their respective fan bases have been counted on to deliver more than what they have so far. Without a question, People had higher hopes for Jim Harbaugh coming out of what he was doing with the San Francisco 49ers, what he was able to do at Stanford previously. Michigan has fallen flat and, and you know, in some respects, kind of plateaued with their style of play, with the way that they're recruiting and developing. I don't think there's a lot of reasons to look at what Michigan is doing and where they're at and assume that there's a whole lot more that Jim Harbaugh has in store for their program. James Franklin, I think that hope is a little bit more valid at this point in time. Uh, rough mid midway stretch of the 2021 season. Sean Clifford 
hurt in the second quarter at Iowa. They're up 17-3 to at the time. I think pretty reasonable to assume the outcome of that game, which was a 23-20 Iowa win, would have been quite different if Clifford was not hurt. He was not himself against Illinois. Um, they lose a nine overtimes in that game. They play Ohio State tough, something that Jim Harbaugh hasn't done as often as his fan base would want. Uh, lost 33-24. That's a three-game losing streak. The Illinois game, clearly a low point, clearly part of a tendency for Penn State to uh, suffer a hangover following emotional games, win or lose. Uh, that Illinois, the most glaring example yet, but they did the same thing, you know, 2017, 2018, losing to Michigan State after they lost to Ohio State. So that is one thing that works against James Franklin in this conversation, which doesn't mean a whole lot if we're being honest about it, but it's where the conversation is right now, and I thought it made sense to address it. Um, no, no Big Ten titles for Harbaugh. Um, as I mentioned, four straight losses in bowl games has not beaten Ohio State, has not really been a player on the national scene, more often than not, ending each season with a lower national ranking than where they began. So getting a whole lot of credit on the front end and not living up to expectations on the back end has kind of been the Jim Harbaugh way uh, in Ann Arbor. So it's an interesting conversation about trying to figure out which of these two teams is best equipped to make a run at Ohio State, to, is best equipped for some other team besides Ohio State to make the college football playoff. It's it's tough for me to sit here and say that that I could give Michigan more of a chance in that regard. Penn State's been more relevant. They've been more competitive against Ohio State. I think they've done an outstanding job developing and recruiting, and I think that that can continue. There's hope that this 2022 recruiting class with the two quarterbacks on board, especially with Drew Aller, the five-star from Ohio, that there's hope that maybe Penn State can reach another level. But the fact of the matter is they have stalled out since 2016. They haven't reached that next level. And we're still having this conversation in Franklin's eighth season about if or when they ever will. Same conversation is happening in Michigan. So call it a push and call it a day on that one. But I think looking just beyond the numbers, speaks volumes about where this coaching matchup is. And Saturday's game and the outcome of it could be a nice contributing factor to how both of these coaches are viewed, both how both of these programs are viewed and the trajectory of the remainder of the 2021 season. So we'll see what happens. Penn State a one-point one favorite over Michigan at Beaver Stadium. It's a noon kickoff on ABC. Penn State looking for a second straight win against the number six team in the country. Between now and then, be sure to check us out, penlab.com slash Football for all of our written video and audio um, there. You can also check us out on the Blue White Breakdown wherever you download podcasts. Bob Flanders, David Jones, Daniel Gallant, and I are doing basically weekly podcasts looking at this Penn State team. So be sure to check those out. And we'll see you next time on the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey.